1: Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel, Balances due. Well-qualified customers.
2: Full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply.
1: Good
3: afternoon. This
1: is a big effing deal. Whoa.
3: Whoa. What you call an icon living? Start a record label, Miss Fish just did it Nylon cover five minutes Whoa, We are too hot in the business About to make a movie independent Need new trucks independent What's better than this? Guys, Guys dudes here you on the to Podcast about
2: to I'm Joe Marino event Scouting and Fan Rag Sports, joined by Kyle Krabs, who's the founder and director of scouting with NDT Scouting, also with Fan Rag Sports. We are your hosts here on a Wednesday edition of the Draft Dudes podcast. We are less than a week away from heading down to Mobile, Alabama to cover the Senior Bowl, where we will have wall to wall coverage for you on NDT Scouting. And uh, just uh, one more podcast until we are down. In Mobile. Kyle, what's going on, dude?
3: Yeah, uh, fun fact. Did you know that Draft Dudes episode 150 will take place in Mobile, Alabama? Oh,
2: no, I didn't. We,
3: we did, That's a big number.
2: We did our 100th show, I think, last year for uh, Locked On, when we were on the Locked On Network in Alabama, yeah, if I'm the, not mistaken, right?
3: Yeah, Mobile has been a kind, kind place for us as it pertains to uh, historic shows with, with you and I doing this this whole podcasting thing together. So that we'll have to do something fun and celebrate that as well. Absolutely.
2: Um, we are very close to the Senior Bowl, and we are getting dangerously close to the 2018 NFL Draft. Kyle, this is the first time we will celebrate uh, the countdown here with a number that is only two digits. We are under 100 days until the 2018 NFL Draft. In fact, we are 98 days away from the 2018 NFL draft, and my number today honors Stephen O'Neill. He's the punter for the New York Jets. He had the longest punt in NFL history, 98 yards. He did it in 1969 against the Denver Broncos. Uh, I, I watched the play because, you know, I'm looking up different records and stuff in preparation for this segment, and I got a chance to watch the clip, and uh, the Jets are punting the ball snapped from at the one-yard line. He launches it about five yards deep in the end zone. It lands on the opposite 34-yard line, and it rolls down to the one where the Jets down it for a 98-yard punt, one-yard line to one-yard line. Talk about flipping the field, right? You're backed up in your in your territory, thinking that the other the opponent's going to get the ball around midfield, and they start at the one. I, I mean that is. Uh, That's bonkers, man, and that's the longest punt in NFL history, and I don't think we'll see that one topped
3: anytime soon. No, that's 98 98? yards on a punt? Yes. That's – I'm trying to wrap my head on what that must have looked like or how that must have felt coming off the foot. You know, like you know when you go to the the driving range and whatnot and you, you get a ball really nice and you feel it, and you instantly know, you're like, ooh, yeah, I got a hold of that one. I wonder what that sensation must be like for a 98-yard punt. That has to be the greatest feeling in the world. Cal, we both played organized football in high school and
2: and so on and so forth. Did you ever punt? Did you ever do any uh, kicking or punting?
3: Uh, I dabbled in punting. I was never called upon in game action, (laughs) but I I was dabbled – as, as a punter because I, I did have the abnormally high amount of flexibility to get that foot up there for that really high, nice follow-through. Yeah. Oh, um, okay.
2: You had one of those. But
3: Yeah, I had, I had the leg swing. I just never really had any control on what happened when I hit it.
2: I had one season as a kicker and punter and, um, it my, when I was in 10th grade. And um, I'm proud to say I only had one punt blocked and uh, one return for a touchdown, which, hey, in junior varsity football, I mean, uh, I feel good about that. But, yeah, I never launched him that far, man. That's uh, When this thing hit the ground in the game, I mean, it shot out of a cannon for its role, obviously. You kind of think there's going to be a lot of roll on a 99-yard punt or a 98-yard punt. So um, he was uh, got the, the beneficial bounce on that.
3: You know, I think this is great. We're sitting here talking about punting on draft dudes. Yeah. So just the other day, we were talking about kickers and punters, and here we are now talking about – hunt for the number of the day so uh the the folks can't say that we don't love us some some good specialists here on draft dudes it's important stuff man
2: let's uh pour one out wednesdays kyle this is your uh your baby here one of of the segments you invented so uh shall we
3: yeah let's uh let's everybody raise your glass because we got to pour one out for the edge defender class uh for 2018 uh it was a sad day under dec- underclassmen underclassman declaration deadline came and went and uh both those Clemson boys went back to school which uh no good for them first and foremost uh always, always nice to see guys that aren't in a rush to make the jump and really enjoy the college experience and uh the NFL will certainly be there awaiting for Austin Bryant and Cleveland Farrell but uh Cleland Farrell was my top rated edge defender uh entering the season all throughout the season, I thought the play warranted that uh, same recognition, and uh, he's off the board. So that's um, that's gonna bump some guys up. You'll see a ripple effect. I actually wrote a little bit about that for scoutingcom looking at uh, who could be the primary beneficiaries for Austin Bryant and Cleveland Farrell going back to school. Cough, cough, Harold Landry. Uh, but uh, we got to pour one out because that's that's a tough pill to swallow to see such a great prospect. Come off the board and go back to school for for teams that need pass rush, but uh, a good decision for him and Austin Bryant, nonetheless. Yeah,
2: and right on the heels of me saying that Bradley Chubb uh, was you know not necessarily the clear-cut number one edge, and that uh, you know the NFL could value Cleveland Farrell above him, and uh, lo and behold, uh, Mr. Farrell stays in school, so he'll be part of that loaded defensive line crop for next year, and I think this really puts Clemson in the driver's seat for, you know, the ACC, and certainly looking at the playoffs next year, you got to be penciling in Clemson, you know, right away. Um, my num- my number, I already did the number, my poor one out. And I think we, we just have to, and not to harp on it, man, but we've got to raise our glass and poor one out for Marcus Williams, the, safeties, the safety for the New Orleans Saints, who just a historically low moment in... Saints history, arguably NFL playoff history, where all he had to do was tackle Stephon Diggs, bring him down, and you go to the NFC Championship and and get a chance to play the Eagles to go to the Super Bowl. And it wasn't even like a high degree of difficulty to make this tackle. I mean, Diggs was elevated in the air, had to come down and turn around Marcus Williams' You know, easy to square him up in that situation where he's kind of up against the sideline and Williams just lowers his head, looks at the ground, whiffs at his legs and, you know, Stefan Diggs coast to the end zone and puts the, uh, the Vikings in the NFC championship. It's kind of sad because by all accounts, Marcus Williams had a really good uh, rookie season like so many of the other Saints, uh, uh, Rookies from this class, where you know he, he went and had four interceptions and uh, you know made some good plays on the football and gave them some that true ball hawking presence behind uh, you know Marshawn Lattimore and uh, their other good defensive backs there. So uh, really puts a, uh, some haze over a really good rookie season. But you got We can't get through this poor one out Wednesday without pouring one out for Marcus Williams and that egregious tackling attempt that cost the Saints the right to play in the NFC Championship game.
3: Yeah, I also want to pour one out for um, common sense here. As far as some of the critiques about the play call, uh, no, New Orleans probably shouldn't have had two linebackers buzzing within five yards of the line of scrimmage covering the sideline. But there's 10 seconds left in the game. Literally any completion that ends inbounds ends the game. So New Orleans calls cover two to defend the boundary. They position their defenders to defend the boundary and then it's it's just a failure to execute and finish the play you know I saw some people say oh well you know uh, I actually saw one national writer or sorry a local writer for a team criticize New Orleans for not having deep help for Marcus Williams Marcus Williams was the deep help there's no the deep help does not get deep help it's just a, it's a failure to execute the play and I thought the play call was fine. Uh, did they misappropriate the linebackers in the middle of the field? Yeah, baby. But the play call was fine. It was there. It was on a silver platter. All you got to do is keep your head up and finish the play. So uh, pour one out for common sense for some of the criticisms that you're hearing about this play. Uh, because I didn't have a problem with the call. They had, they executed. They had them throw an inbounds. Uh, clock was expiring. Field goal's not going to win the game. They have to score a touchdown. So... Um, so just, just a, a kind of odd <laughs> series of events all around as far as how, how this play transpired and, and why it's on pour one out twice now. We had to pour one out twice for it. Joe. Kyle. I heard Little Birdie told me you got around to Josh Rosen's tape. Yes. And uh, that that kind of prompted this podcast topic for us where you and I are going to sit down and we're going to talk about some of the options that the Cleveland Browns have uh, for how they address their quarterback position. Uh, Cody Kessler, Kevin Hogan, Deshaun Kaiser they ain't going to cut the cheese. So these guys have some decisions to make. They got some new decision makers in the front office here as well. Uh, Browns also happen to have quite a bit of draft capital. They have first, fourth, and 33rd for starters. Uh, And there's some guy named Kirk Cousins who's looming as a potential free agent target who um, Cleveland may have some interest in if they want to acquire an established uh, veteran in the, at the NFL level for a quarterback. So um, the Browns have a lot on their plate. And you and I talking about Josh Rosen specifically kind of spawned this idea for a show. So what we want to do is we want to look at you know the Browns' options with Kirk Cousins, Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, and uh, Josh Allen. I believe those are probably the five names uh, that you'll hear tied to Cleveland the most as far as people wanting them to invest in one or the other or um, the likely names attached to to the Browns. So, uh, Joe, I'm going to let you pick a prospect here or pick pick an option. And we'll kind of just go through each of these five, talk about pros and cons, why it might make sense, and ultimately at the end we'll talk about who we would pick to fix the Cleveland Browns quarterback dilemma once and for all.
2: Kyle, let's start with uh, the solution here that comes before the draft, and that's Kirk Cousins, as you mentioned. You know, he's going to hit the free agent market. There's no way that Washington's going to commit, um, you know, another year under that franchise tag and put him in the mid thirty million dollar range, um, but one thing to keep in mind with whoever's going to sign Kirk Cousins is they're going to have to live with giving him the biggest contract in NFL history. And I know a lot of that is just because he's the next quality quarterback to hit the free agent market. You know, I mean, along the way, you know, Derek Carr hold, held the label and Matthew Stafford and, you know, now it's just Kirk Cousins turn to hit the market and, and be able to hold that label. But you have to ask yourself uh, as a, General manager, you know John Dorsey with the Browns. Do I want to do that? Do I want to commit that type of money to Kirk Cousins? You know he's a good quarterback. He started every game over the last six, uh, over the last three years uh, for the Redskins. He, you know his his quarterback rating was uh, in the upper nineties every year, over four thousand yards and twenty five touchdowns. I mean, really quality production. But you know you're going to have to make concessions on the rest of your roster to be able to you know meet those demands and make that type of commitment to Kirk Cousins. And so, you know, with all the young talent that the Browns have and all the young talent that they're going to have and, you know, different free agents that I'm sure they want to pursue and add to this team, you know, you're going to commit a such a huge chunk of your cap space on an annual basis to Kirk Cousins and is see the type of quarterback that you're going to win because you have him, right? Like, are you automatically going to be a playoff team on an annual basis because you have Kirk Cousins? Can you win? Uh, can he help you overcome deficiencies on the rest of your roster? I'm not super confident in saying that that's true, and that's why I don't necessarily believe that Cleveland is the right place for Kirk Cousins and then also I just feel like the the landscape right now with them having the top pick and some of the quarterbacks that they can select there that we'll talk about in just a minute would be a lot better to bring on at this point in the Cleveland Browns rebuilding process or their, you know, their perpetual rebuilding process. I think that, you know, go ahead and get that young rookie quarterback to really catapult the, you know, the next step here in Cleveland, as opposed to bringing in Kirk Cousins. And all of a sudden, I think the expectations really shift. You know, I think this fan base obviously is used to losing, but when you bring in Kirk Cousins, I think it changes. It really shifts the dynamic of the expectations and creates something that maybe Cleveland, the rest of the roster, is not quite ready for. So I probably said way too much there, but for me, Kirk Cousins and Cleveland is not necessarily a marriage that I think is a good one.
3: Yeah, a couple, couple quick takes on this. Uh, Washington's kind of in an interesting boat. You know, they they kind of came out already and said – uh, they, they are not going to consider the transition tag with Kirk because so many of the teams on the market uh, for a quarterback have this gross amount of cap space. Like Cleveland's got over $100 million in cap space. And the reason why the Washington didn't really view the transition tag as a realistic option for them was because there was nothing stopping a team from giving Kirk Cousins $50 million up front. I mean, just just think about that. Dollar amount. And if that is the kind of negotiating tactics that Washington is expecting teams to play in order to get Kirk to come play for their franchise, well, I mean, yeah, th- this free agency is going to get nutty if that's the case. So uh, Cleveland having the assets and capital that they do, I agree with you where I think it would be wise for them to let somebody else eat that kind of contract. And, you know, this is me speaking from personal experience of being a Miami Dolphins fan. Uh, they had, I th- I believe it was over 40% of their cap space wrapped up in, in Dominick Sue and Ryan Tannehill this year. Ryan Tannehill didn't play a snap. And, you know, you look at that amount of cap allocation into one or two guys, and you better be damn sure that that guy is everything you want and more for your franchise caller, and uh, Joe, I got one quick, I remembered this one, I want your quick take on this before we get into the rookies, how do you feel about a trade for Alex Smith?
2: Uh, I can get behind that, Yeah. um, because I think Alex Smith's the ultimate bridge quarterback, right, especially uh, for where he's at in this point of his career in his mid-30s, but I think You know, as we get into these rookies, this conversation, will will, the dynamics of it will shift a little because I think there's some quarterbacks. There is a couple of quarterbacks that I think that Cleveland can take and plug in right away, and they won't need that bridge quarterback. So, you know, giving up assets to acquire Alex Smith to be your bridge quarterback when you don't really need a bridge quarterback, you know, I'm not so sure I agree with that. So um, I think there's an easier solution for Cleveland.
3: All right. So let's talk about this easier solution. You're obviously talking about Josh Allen, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. He meet the next number one pick, right? Uh, of course. Right. We were already talking no,
3: about Josh Allen. No, no, no. I'm going to let the cat out of the bag, Joe. You think a home run selection for the Cleveland Browns? And I happen to agree with you based on you know kind of the his overall product and what he offers. Josh Rosen you know the the whole catalyst for this conversation i know you took to twitter and talked about what you saw in rosen on film and how you didn't think this was a very hard decision for the browns
2: yeah not at all kyle um i think that you know i the, the tweet it was basically josh rosen is the most nfl ready quarterback i've evaluated since andrew luck and um you know the more tape i watched the more i just agreed that that's just a true statement i um you know, was uh, two, was it Wednesday? Was the day that I kind of dedicated the entire day to UCLA offense? And uh, so, you know, obviously front and center is Josh Rosen, and, and getting a feel for him, and uh, as you know, for my uh, my draft guide, and obviously all the work that's to come. And, you know, I just feel like I'm watching an NFL quarterback, and not just an NFL quarterback, but a really good one, an advanced one, a guy that really throws with high levels of anticipation and understands how to read defenses and and dissect coverage. And he throws guys open and – he he just understands where to go with the football and he's a pure thrower of the football and his mechanics are good and he aligns his shoulders and feet on every throw. I mean, it's just like a guy that was born to play quarterback and then it translates on the field with the throws that he makes to every level of the field that are accurate and, and well-placed. He puts the football where he wants it to go routinely. And I mean, he plays in a pro style system that, you know, he's ready to walk in right, right now and be an NFL quarterback. And so, you know, when you watch this guy on film, there's no doubt in my mind that Josh Rosen is ready to step in and being an NFL quarterback next year. And I don't think it's very hard to arrive to that conclusion. We'll get into some of the other quarterbacks that they can consider, but uh, when you think about this guy throwing footballs to David and Joku and, and Josh Gordon, with you know what's what's actually a pretty good Cleveland Browns offensive line in front of them once it's healthy, man, give me Josh Rosen to the Cleveland Browns and let's go. I mean, I think this is the guy that they can really build around to be their franchise quarterback and and win games and be a productive offense because they have a guy like him that can facilitate and orchestrate this offense. I think he's ready to go right now. His traits are there. Everything that you want in an NFL quarterback can be had in Josh Rosen. Now just go turn in the card, John Dorsey.
3: Yeah, so uh, let's, let's get into hypotheticals here we're talking about. You, know, you take Rosen at one. Maybe you get maybe you get lucky and the, the Colts pass on Saquon Barkley. Maybe you land Saquon Barkley at four, and then you go out and draft like Auden Tate at thirty three, with Josh Gordon and David and already there. Like the, the the Browns can really you know if they land a, a pro ready passer, and I agree, happen to agree with you. Um, Rosen's on the field product translates the cleanest. You no know, Mayfield, uh, which we'll get into in just a little bit. I think he's fairly pro-ready. Uh, I think there may be some growing pains depending on what he's asked to do at the NFL level. Rosen's the universal prospect. You want to run, want, want to run West Coast, great. You want to run Air Coryell, great. Just you know, it, he is a guy that you feel really confident based on the arm ability, the polish, the way he sees the game. This is something I've been on a couple podcasts already for other folks so far this year, and they always ask me what stands out so much about Rosen that you really like. It's the way he sees the game. It's the way he sees a leveraged defender and still knows, I can still throw it there. You have to play that way in the NFL. And for Rosen to have that gift of sight and vision and field vision as he's surveying as a passer, um, you know, it's just really a great blend when you consider how polished he is as a passer and With his feet, he's got pretty sweet feet in the pocket. And his release is really compact and quick. And uh, he's willing to live and die by the sword. And that fundamental core, he's covered, but he's open. And I have the confidence in my arm and the ability in my arm. It's a big difference from some of the other guys that we may or may not talk about. Uh, The confidence in the arm and the ability – to identify those opportunities is really what sets him apart. So, Joe, I'm 100% on board with you. Rosen has the best film. That was one of my 10 takes from an NDT scouting piece last week. Rosen has the best film. Uh, Him and Mayfield are close for me as far as their total evaluations. I would not be surprised to see Mayfield actually end up on top as my top passer. But if you're looking at strictly the -the on-the-field product, the film itself, Rosen is QB1. As far as I'm concerned, I've done almost all of my quarterback assessments and there's nobody that's left in the pool that's going to challenge him. So uh, Rosen makes sense. Of course, the question is, well, didn't Rosen say he didn't want to play for Cleveland? No. Let's put that to bed. (laughs) He said he didn't want to necessarily be a higher pick just to go to a worse fit. Did he say Cleveland? Joe, did he say Cleveland? No, he didn't say Cleveland. He did not say Cleveland. Okay. So I'm glad we cleared the air there, and uh, that's not necessarily something, especially this early in the process. Now, does anybody remember Miles Garrett on video last year asking Dallas to come up and trade for him? Like, do you really think he cares? And even if he does pull uh, some kind of power play, you know, let let's let the process play out a little bit before we're so quick to write off Rosen to Cleveland just because of a a comment that's likely taken out of context.
2: Yeah, for sure, Kyle and. And I think that so many times we see very underdeveloped quarterbacks coming out of college uh, in terms of their ability to understand NFL defenses and where to go with the football and where leverage is. And, you know, they want to see things before – You know see guys open before they pull the trigger you don't have those concerns there's no like there's no guesswork involved here with Rosen his his skill set right now translates the system he ran in college right now translates and uh and I I just I think this is a slam dunk and and Kyle you know just to kind of keep the conversation rolling here you know, I, I think that for me, I'm going to I'm gonna definitely have Josh Rosen as my QB1. I still got to go through the rest of the process and say that for sure. But, you know, I know that you're, you're, you you're think that, you know, it's a little, little bit tight with him and Baker Mayfield. Now, like, maybe sell us on Baker Mayfield to Cleveland and why that's a, a, a nice possibility.
1: Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV.
3: First of all, don't at me tomorrow with Johnny Manziel takes on Twitter. Please. These are two totally different guys. Uh, Baker, it it sounds corny, but, like, Baker's got that chip on his shoulder, blue collar, like, will run out in front of running plays as the lead blocker. Like, that, that fits Cleveland, you know, as far as his personality, I think would give them a lot of publicity in a good way. Uh, I think Baker, as far as you look at the weapons that they have, we talked about Njoku and, and Josh Gordon, Mayfield's style of play. He's affected. He, first of all, he's done very well this year optimizing Mark Andrews. So you look at a guy like Njoku, who was a first-round pick last year, and you can already start to connect the dots and say, hey, if we want to get the, be- the best out of Njoku, who seemed to have good rapport with everybody besides Deshaun Geyser last year. If you're looking to get the best out of your really special tight end prospect that you invested a first-round pick in, Mayfield's proven that as a flex guy in the middle of the field, that's a guy he likes to lean on. So from a personnel perspective, that's already a marriage that I can get behind. Second of all, getting off schedule – is something that Mayfield has always thrived at. It's been better than when he's operated within the structure of the offense. Well, is there ever a more chaotic place to play quarterback than the Cleveland Browns? Even when they had to go an offensive line. It's it's a place that Baker has proven he is capable of handling the workload on his shoulders. And he's comfortable doing it. And he's confident and poised doing it. And that poise that ability to make big plays and extend plays in spite of chaos around him, I think is something that Cleveland can really afford to lean on and would be a great benefit to him in Cleveland. Now, yes, of course, there's the questions of oh, what's his maturity look like, um, you know, is with, with his height and size. Uh, Baker's not, a realistic option, as far as if we're, we're forecasting how the draft is going to go, I don't think Baker's going to be in the conversation. And it's so stupid, but so much of it is centered around, oh, he's he's not big enough. But I mean, that that's honestly that is the quote unquote the football guys, which been, has been such a big topic of conversation in Cleveland since Sashi Brown was there. Uh, the football guys. I don't see them drafting a, a six-foot-one quarterback with the first overall pick. It's, it's an unfortunate reality. of It's just a superficial thing that's automatically going to eliminate him. But if you're looking at Cleveland weighing your options, maybe you go a different direction at one and you look at Baker later, um, he's got it. And when's the last time you looked at the Cleveland Browns roster and said somebody had it? It's been a long time. And again, don't bring up Johnny Manziel. Uh, the the comparison between the two is extremely lazy. It's superficial. It's a couple of lazy dots drawn together without any context whatsoever. And scouting, talent acquisition, everything that we do, Joe, everything that you and I are committed to is centered around context. We have to find the context in everything. And I don't think the context points to any legitimate relationship between Johnny Manziel and Baker Mayfield.
2: I think he did a really nice job of kind of selling the argument for uh, Mayfield to the Browns. And for me, when I, kind of like what you followed up with my Rosen rant, is my favorite thing about Baker Mayfield is just how accurate he is. You know, he, he throws the football where he wants it to go to all three levels, and like, very well. And that's his ball placement, something that really stands out on film. And so... We talk about the most important trait for an NFL quarterback being accuracy. Well, Baker Mayfield is right at the top of the class in terms of his ability to deliver the football where he wants it to go. Uh, Kyle, the the guy that seems to have a lot of fanfare for this number one overall pick and and a lot of pundits believe that it could be is USC quarterback Sam Darnold. And uh, I recently did my full evaluation on him. And I like a lot of things about Sam Darnold. And I'll start there. I love the way that he sees the field. I love uh, his moments of accuracy are, are really really good. Um, I think he throws with anticipation. He works the whole field and reads reads it. He can throw on the run. And I think he has the ability to win outside of structure. Maybe better than Rosen, but not better than Mayfield. The thing about Darnold is that he's just so rough around the edges. You know, I don't see I don't see anywhere near like a polished quarterback prospect at all like I see you know when I watch Josh Rosen on film um, you know obviously I think when you talk about Darnold it all stems from really sloppy mechanics upper body and lower body you know that release is extremely elongated and where he you know his release point is extremely inconsistent and I think that leads to a lot of accuracy issues his lower body in terms of you know Not so much setting his feet, but his lower body, throwing mechanics, stepping into throws and making sure that he's not throwing flat-footed or just using his whole arm, highly inconsistent. And, again, I think it impacts his accuracy. Um, You know, he's loose with the football. I don't think he makes bad decisions with the football as a thrower, but the inconsistencies with his accuracy lead to the football going to poor places and turnovers. Obviously, the, um, uh, the, the fumbles, he fumbled the ball a ton last year. But, you know, also when he has to speed up his process, you know, when things aren't clean around him and he has to really, you know, expedite everything, I really get concerned about, you know, the decisions that he makes in those moments. So, you know, when I think about Darnold, I see the upside. I think there's a really good ceiling here. But I also think that there's a lot of polish that he doesn't have. And, you know, you're talking about uh, a player that is going to start next year. I don't – I'm not so sure I see that in Sam Darnold. So a team that – is going to bring in Alex Smith, I think would, would be, you know, it would be the same team that brings in Sam Darnold and allow there to breathe that, be that bridge opportunity. And so that kind of goes back to what I alluded to earlier that, you know, they can just draft Josh Rosen and go run, hit the ground running from day one with him as their guy, you know, Darnold, I think is just needs a lot more work to be ready to play on Sundays.
3: Yeah. I think you did a really nice job kind of putting a, a bow on this conversation with Darnold where, um, yeah, Sam. Look at Deshaun Kaiser this year. I don't think Kaiser versus Darnold, like the worst case scenario for each, would be quite as equal because uh, I, I do think that uh, Darnold is, is notably better than Kaiser as far as uh, between the ears. You know, Kaiser coming out of Notre Dame always had kind of just this this long processor, and, and seeing the field unfold uh, was never really a true strength of his where. Rose, or I'm sorry, Donald is almost. He knows where he wants to go so quickly, and it's when he gets a curveball, he doesn't work off of that, from what I've been able to see on on Darnold. So, um, the the mechanics thing, the footwork thing, uh, Baker Mayfield, interestingly enough, can get away with some of these wonky throwing releases and and. Uh, Kind of working away from the line of scrimmage with, with some of his throws, better than Sam Darnold, and Darnold has the flashes of bang, there it is. Like yes, that's the kind of act, like that's the kind of throw you need to be able to make on an awkward platform to be a top pick. But then for every one you get, there's one that's just like head scratchingly bad. So, I think Cleveland, they've had their shots at enough guys that have had consistency issues and just need to put it all together. This environment is not going to lend itself very favorably for somebody like that to come in right away, as you said, and, and be forced to contribute because they don't have depth. So who else are you going to go to? You know, I, I personally don't have a lot of faith that, that Deshaun Kaiser, this is the fit for him. That's going to bring out the best in him. So, they don't have a lot of options, as you said. Maybe maybe Alex Smith and Sam Darnold, uh, that pairing is is the long term plan in place, and maybe that's maybe Hugh Jackson gets on board because that buys him another three years to win one football game every year. I don't know, I don't know what the uh, the thought process is there. But Darnold, as you said, is rough around the edges, Joe, uh, and so is Josh Allen. And I think this this one is really the the worst case scenario. Because Josh has the arm talent. He has the same ability Mayfield has as far as throwing off awkward platforms. And he has a cannon. Like, his arm is probably the best in the class as far as arm strength and velocity and being able to throw from different arm slots and throw with power in those situations. uh, He checks all those superficial boxes, and and that arm talent is there. What terrifies me about Allen is the stuff between the ears. Now, you can put him on the chalkboard, and he can spit it back at you all he wants. But when the reps are live, when the live bullets are flying, what has Josh Allen done on tape to give you confidence that he understands what he's seeing?
1: Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances
2: due. Well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply
3: So now you're going to take a player like this and you're going to put him in an environment like Cleveland where the structure hasn't always been great. There's been a lot of mistakes from people around him. There's been uh, some questionable game planning under, under Hugh Jackson and just not a lot of efficiency as an offense. And you're going to take a kid like Josh Allen who probably needs to sit for a year or two before you really feel good about trotting him out there and patting him on the butt and saying, okay, kid, go get him. Just because you know, he throws into coverage so much. This is what we kind of touched on briefly with Rosen where you could see a guys open and you can have trust in your arm to make the throw and you can have the ability to make the throw but there's a difference between making good decisions throwing into coverage and making bad decisions throwing into coverage and Ro- Rosen makes good decisions a lot of times throwing into coverage. The dumb ones that he makes are in crunch time, and I think that's important context to understand, too. The Memphis game. I was at the Memphis game. Rosen's trying to win the football game because they're in an urgent situation. Josh Allen has first and 10 at the 50-yard line in the second quarter and throws into band free and throws it right to the free safety. Those kinds of that... that that matters to me. That One interception is worse than the other. Obviously, one of them is lost to the football game because it's your last possession of the game. But one is more egregious than the other because, one, there's no reason to make the throw. There's no reason to test it, and there's no way you're going to make it. So that difference is kind of summarizes the differences and the similarities between the Josh, uh, Josh Allen versus Josh Rosen and Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold, you know, Allen and Darnold, they're both raw, rough around the edges, but they both have some nice traits. Allen probably has better physical traits than Darnold does. Uh, Allen and Mayfield both can make throws and and throw with accuracy from awkward angles. But Rosen, where he really separates from all these guys, is, is that mental component of the game, and that to me is the worst part of Josh Allen's games, and that's why I think he's the worst potential fit for the Cleveland Browns.
2: Yeah, and I think it's important to mention why Josh Allen is even part of this discussion, and I think it comes from, you know, just everything you hear from people plugged in is that the NFL really likes Josh Allen, and then you think about John Dorsey, who was the general manager of of the Kansas City Chiefs last year, when they traded up from 27 to 10 to get Patrick Mahomes, and... You know, I think that Mahomes offers a lot more than Josh Allen, but you know, similar type of physical talent. So there's this belief that maybe you know, John Dorsey would would be inclined to to go that road again, to just take the super high upside guy, and and so there's that fear, is what I like to call it, that uh, that Cleveland would would be super interested in Josh Allen at number one. But, you know, for all the same reasons you kind of just outlined and the fact that, you know, I, I with conviction, think that Josh but- Rosen's is the right pick, uh, you know, for me, when we talk about this whole gamut of options that we just went through, you know, Josh Allen is really at the bottom of that, you know, even if, even if it was at four, you know, I think that's kind of the other – dynamic here is that Cleveland does have the first and the fourth pick in the draft. And so, you know, do they, do they get their quarterback at four? Like, no, you don't do that. You've got, you've got the giants at two, you've got the Colts at three, who would be a really a prime candidate for a trade up spot. If for some reason, you know, Cleveland did something crazy and didn't take a quarterback there at one. So like, even if you're talking about that possibility of, of going with uh, Josh Allen at four, I still think that's way out of the ballpark of where he should be considered, especially for this Cleveland team.
3: Yeah, so if you're willing to take a guy at four, then you damn well better take him at one and make sure you get him, right? Yeah, of course, of course. Joe, where, where, real quick, where does Lamar Jackson fit into this conversation? Because it's a name we haven't talked about, and mm-hmm. I like Lamar better than some of the guys that we have talked about, so I think that that his name at least is warranted being brought up.
2: Well, I mean, if the discussion is Lamar Jackson at number one or number four, I think that's a little bit rich for me. If Cleveland wanted to go the route of building the roster with those two picks, getting some players in other positions and thinking about uh, Lamar Jackson at the top of the second round, that's something I'm more inclined to get behind. But for me, it kind of goes back to what I just said about my convictions with Josh Rosen being the right guy. You know, for me, that's where that goes. And, you know, Lamar Jackson would be, you know, a really kind of an oddball plan uh, should, you know, then you talk about Cleveland walking away with maybe Minka Fitzpatrick and uh, Bradley or uh, excuse me, Saquon Barkley or something like that. And it it really, that's a, that's a whole nother dynamic. Uh, I just couldn't imagine a scenario where they just didn't go quarterback at one.
3: Right. It's, it's, and I I happen to agree with you. I think the value for Lamar matches pretty well uh, in that, like that 33 range for a quarterback but um, you know Cleveland's they have just gone through too much hurt at quarterback to do this again. Like they've done this a number of times where they've kind of passed on a quarterback and this is a class where it feels like there's a home run option. So why would you do it? Why would you pass again and take a cheaper option? Don't don't get thrifty now. So Joe, my question, my final question for you is not who you take. My question for you is: Who do you think, gun to your head, right now, who do you think is the the, the option and the avenue of the Browns?
2: I think they're going to take Josh Rosen.
3: Okay.
2: And the reason. my yeah, go ahead.
3: Go ahead. Good enough. Nope, go ahead. I need. To I was going to
2: say the reason. The reason is, you know, I think you know, we, you've evaluated thousands of players, so have I. I don't think it's hard. It wasn't a hard conclusion to get to josh rose that and this is an nfl ready guy that can has the upside to become an apple archelon quarterback in the nfl john dorsey elliot wolf i don't think that's going to be hard for them to get there either you know they're going to they're going to do a thorough job of examining all the options and coming up with a plan for this franchise but it wasn't hard to get there for me and i just don't think it'll be hard to get there from them and i think they're going to smooth the air over uh with any concerns about uh you know where he wants to play and doesn't play and his personality, they'll meet him they'll do a thorough investigation on everything there is to know about Josh Rosen and his demeanor and his his behavior all that type of stuff and I think that they'll come to the conclusion that Josh Rosen's the guy
3: I'm going to go with the option of Alex Smith and Sam Darnold I think that's where they go, I don't think that's where they should go but I think that's where they go just a gut feeling. Wonk, wonk, to too. Wonk, wonk. There's just a gut
2: feeling. Oh, boy, Cleveland, don't do that. I, I don't know.
3: I mean, I've, I've...
2: It makes sense. I can see why. John Dorsey's already done that,
3: basically, yep. right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, so... and, you know, um, we do have some friends, Joe. We do have some friends that we're very, very close with, and uh, some of our colleagues... Uh, know people who know people and so on and so forth. And it's just, I don't know, it's just something I heard teased. So it's uh something to chew on, you know, and that's not to say nobody, nobody came to me and said, this is their plan. But the fact that somebody came to me and said, Hey, you know, Cleveland's interested in Alex Smith and, Oh yeah. Like Cleveland's probably going to like Sam Darnold a whole bunch. No, it's just that that that's the one that feels to me like Cleveland's going to opt to go a little more quote unquote PC. How insufferable?
2: How insufferable are you going to be now that you've been went on record today here on you know January seventeenth edition of Draft Dudes that you think your hunch is that they go Alex Smith, Sam Darnold? How insufferable, Kyle? Are you going to be with tea sipping and every other thing? shit this company if, if that's
3: the way it goes yeah. <laughs> uh yeah you guys are probably gonna to want to skip that show <laughs> if if the Browns trade for Alex Smith um you you will want to skip that show because that, <laughs> that will be I'll, I'm skipping uh, too <laughs> yeah you'll, you'll skip out too okay yeah it's good to know uh it, it will be 40 minutes of me just loudly sipping yeah. uh, that will be the whole, the whole episode of the show I believe uh, it too I really do yeah um uh, you know, we'll see. You know, and it's still very early on in the process. So that's that's not to say, um, you know, Browns, the, you know, they get to the scouting combine and they sit down and they feel really good about a guy and they change their mind. Or, they, you know, they, they feel like they don't need to go out and get a veteran. But uh, Alex Smith will be playing somewhere else next year. So that's a shoe that needs to fall. So is the Kirk Cousins shoe. So those two guys are really going to be telling as far as, the landscape here. And it's interesting because there's a lot of a lot of QB needy teams, unsurprisingly, in the top 10. Okay, great. This is your chance to go get one. You know, you got the Browns. You got the Giants. You got the Jets. You got the Broncos. You know, there, there's a lot of landmines here and a lot of things that need to fall. And there's only one or two legitimate veteran options. So uh, the Alex Smith move is one that Short-term bridge, as we said, he's bridge quarterback, mid-30s. He's got, uh, I think, two years left on his deal, but a team could – it's either one or two years left on his deal. But as I remember, uh, 2018 is like the last year of any money that would be owed to him. So, you know, whichever team ends up landing him can can be flexible in that regard. So will most definitely be fun. Uh, Looking forward to seeing how that plays out. You know, everybody loves quarterbacks, and it's it's the exciting new chapter for your team. So, but make sure you guys hit that subscribe button here on Draft Dudes and check in on Friday for the newest chapter of the Draft Dudes podcast. You know, we are getting very close. I believe episode 150, Joe, will be on Monday. So, um, we we will be celebrating in some way, shape, or form. Friday's show is the last of our shows before the Senior Bowl. Uh, hopefully try and get some kind of Senior Bowl preview up and running and and talk really in-depth about the players that that we like and don't like. and Maybe not don't like. Maybe just talk about the players we do like. Just stay positive here on the show. So hit that subscribe button. Stick along with us. We have a lot of great content planned for the next week or so. Uh, Really looking forward to bringing that all to fruition for all of you. Also be sure to swing over to NDTScouting.com and FanRackSports.com. Check out all of Joe and I's latest content. Uh, we also have five of the guys on our NDT scouting team who are really putting in some nice work right now. Lots of great content for you guys to read. I just put up my top five positional rankings. Uh, we should have a mock draft up before the Senior Bowl, so that's another thing for us to look forward to. A uh, lot of good stuff. Make sure you swing over and check it out. I'm Kyle Krabs signing off with Joe Marine. You know, this is the Draft Dudes Podcast. We'll catch up with you all on Friday. I am just, a
1: icon. I am just an icon. I living I'm just a, I I I good. Big Sprint unlimited plus plan. It has Hulu title premium, 15 gigabytes mobile hotspot and full HD. Atlas we need to shout that from the rooftops. Best deal ever. I didn't mean literally. Switch to Sprint's Unlimited Plus plan for just $42 per line. But hurry for a limited time. It's now $22 per line when you bring or buy your own phones. Visit Sprint.com Unlimited or call 1-800-SPRINT-1. Price with $5 per month auto pay discount. One Hulu limited commercials plan for Sprint account. Features differ. Offer coverage not available everywhere. Excludes taxes, fees, and roaming. Requires new lines subject to credit. Third dollar activation fee speed. Maximums use rules and restrictions apply.